Greetings, everyone. I am back doing uh, another one of these podcast recordings, and it's been a while. I don't like to structure everything too much uh, with these because uh, my life uh, is not conducive to that. And also, um, I'm not uh, the, the type of uh, astrologer that really gets into every single week's aspects. Um, they're very easy to find as far as aspects every day on the internet. And those that are very interested in this uh, type of divination and study uh, can find it or they can uh, they can find their own way to work around it with their chart and and see what's going on with the current aspects going on. As I've said many times before, uh, the outer planet aspects are transformational. And if they are uh, hitting one of your personal planets, Sun, Moon, Mars, Venus, Mercury, all of these things, or even uh, if you have a Saturn-Neptune conjunction affecting those outer planet uh, conjunctions in your chart, let's say, or Uranus-Pluto, these are generational conjunctions then you can look at the daily, I call it the daily bread, the astro du jour, um, on the internet and find out what the hell is going on. And is it affecting my chart? I personally know sort of an overview because I I do have, a, I would say, a medium photographic memory. So I do remember people, the charts that I've done, it's like a picture I take. It's with anything I do in life, uh, even before I got into this. So sometimes I can remember mine, of course, because I'm checking that. Not every day, but I know the general gist of what these larger or more transformational aspects are going on uh, for me. And um, one of the things that I am hearing occasionally from people that have a lot of Aries, late Aries in their chart in late degrees is that right now the current node, north node, is in 24 Aries and Chiron is at 16 Aries and that's pretty damn close. These two are conjunct and they are they are definitely affecting the collective, meaning the race of humanity because we're here. You know, this is this is what's going on here. Unless you are lucky enough to live in another dimension or on another plane and, and occasionally dip into uh, the morass called humanity right now or over millennia. Um, you know, uh, these things are very, very intensely affecting this uh, sort of a risen uh from the dead effect, and I don't mean The Walking Dead, I know everybody loves that show, um, but there, I don't mean it in that respect, but this effect of a warlike, uh, limbic brain, reptile brain, uh, let's go to war, let's end it all, there's a, there's a truly amazing, strange uh, sense of nihilism that seems to be uh, imbuing or affecting many people. And I'm not 
just talking about groups that are under siege and we know who they are. If you're listening to any uh, 3D matrix news and there's so much of it everywhere, whether it's disinfo or actual info or people that you trust to tell you the truth or you can visually see it with your own eyes if you're a reporter on the ground or a journalist. Um, it is, it's very, very amped up to a degree that is very dangerous, quite frankly. And um, these particular aspects are just auspices. They're not sitting there going, oh, well, let's just do this. But again, Pluto is at its final late degrees of Capricorn, which in my overall view of studying this over quite a few years, because I remember when it went in there, it affected some of my plants when it was in very early uh, Capricorn. And this was probably 2006, 2007, um, somewhere in there. Um, and, and definitely affecting some of my uh, natal uh, chart planets and positions in my chart um oh the effect i felt very strongly which i will get into when i noted that i'm going to do the moon venus and mars the squares and oppositions that happen when they're they're squared from outer planets to charts but with this situation with pluto squaring those two which is north node and chiron it is uh you know it's really like a, a house on fire at this point in terms of the planetary energy um you could just call it just our within our simulated 3d matrix whatever you want to view it as you know um it's not a video game it's real you know blood is spilled and i have uh the deepest greatest sadness that so much blood is being spilled as of today and so unnecessarily. I will briefly touch on at the end uh, on Israel's chart, their natal chart, um, just so we, you know anybody who's interested can get an idea of what's happening there. And most of it is very, very connected to uh, when Bibi Netanyahu was born, uh, 48, 47, 48, I believe. So it's. Um, it's a real intense uh, nest of uh, viperous energy that is happening as well the entire uh, genesis of what occurred millennia ago and even in before 1948. It, it would be worthwhile for students or people who are interested to do a little bit of research on the Balfour Declaration, 1917, and even prior to that, of what was going on in terms of the uh, cre creation of lands for uh, the Jewish people and for people that, Israelis that wanted a homeland, Israel, Zion, same thing. Um, and after the First World War, and all of those things that occurred after the First World War, even the Versailles Treaty, which, of course, uh, was unbelievably harsh to Germany. I mean, many of us have studied this in our classes in college and elsewhere. But if you don't know about it and you would like to know the genesis of this, much of it, at least, 
um, not all of it because it goes way, way back, <laughs> uh, you know, you'll at least get an early 20th century view of what's happened in the latter part of the 19th century and now up to now all of the wars and different things and what is going on and that um, the rejection of uh, of some of the Arabs uh, groups, Palestinians and their genesis and, and how they uh, were in that land for so much millennia and around there growing in you know biblical times all of this stuff which i cannot get into it's just so massive but you can get from those that are speaking about it and willing to do the deep dive and to give you you know the the bullet points the things that occurred that have led up to so much confusion and so much difficulty for both the israelis and the palestinians of course in so many ways you will at least have a history and not just think about it as a moment that just happened now. It is definitely not a moment that just sort of sprung out of nowhere. And this is for both sides. Um, I personally do not want to get into the binary fights of, of heavy polarization. I uh, am very conflicted as far as the defense that people are entitled to in their nation. And also, atypical warfare that has to go on when people are not, you know, they're not being hurt either by their own people, their own group, ethnic group, or by the world. And um, uh, certainly the Palestinians have uh, definitely haven't been heard that loud. They, they have tried, but they have definitely been going through difficulty with their own Arab brothers and sisters and their own states, Saudi Arabia, all of them. And the Israelis do have a right to defend themselves, but there has to be a humanitarian corridor. And this is strictly my opinion, um, so that civilians can get out and begin to uh, get some semblance of normalcy. So on that note, just looking at these warlike north node aspects and chiron and then pluto is just sitting there you know these things are just grinding each other down with this intense square there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide anymore and um taurus is in 21 uranus is in 21 taurus and of course mars is squaring that right now which gives even a more warlike atmosphere percolating and mercury mars is far more involved in that um and then we have saturn in zero retrograde pisces and uranus is retrograde as well so it's going to take a little while to move things ahead and um in taurus it is stubborn you know there's no other way to put it it's a you know taurus energies uh they are they will hold on uh, uh, sometimes more than the Capricorn energy uh, to their positions. It's retrograde and Neptune in Pisces is retrograde. So Neptune is, um, you know, dealing with resources and uh, wars for resource wars is what they call them for water, for oil, all of these things. And certainly the United States knows all about that. So that's part of it as well as other countries that may be involved to a certain degree because you know with our meaning the states here with our 
uh, Pluto in Capricorn, our natal Pluto in, in Capricorn, late Capricorn, and Moon in Aquarius and Sag rising. That's the chart that I use. Um, uh, you know, we are inserting ourselves and we have as, um, you know, just going out there and uh, securing our interests, which I think we know have a lot to do with oil. And, you know, anybody who's got oil who does not have any connection to uh, a so-called democratic life uh, and democratic uh, process or even a socialist process and urbane, more westernized is, you know, they're just taking the money and using it and living their own life. Saudi Arabia does that. I mean, has have they changed? I, no. I mean, they haven't. They're just going along with the plan and going, well, we have more oil or this or that. And they've, they, as well as other countries, do what their populace wants them to do. I'm not sure if their constituents, their populaces, uh, in a wider sense, the younger crowd, much younger, are happy with uh, what is going on, but they live under it. Their families are there, and people don't want to leave their families. Um, and uh, this is the you know the way it has been operating for a long, long time. So you know we are all in our our mix here of where we live and our geopolitical politics and everything, and it's. It's simmering a lot. There are more things to come. When Pluto moves into Aquarius, which will be, oh, da, 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 da. it'll be really quite soon. Um, you know, a month or two, something like that. A little while. It'll move into zero and then one Aquarius. Um, there may be some real lifting of this heaviness of warlike energies and uh, you know, if we don't do this together, if we don't pull this together, and I'm not talking just about money and interest. I mean, in terms of humanity as a whole, um, that uh, we, you know, we, we will be, we will look like a sci-fi movie, you know, the ones we make here. I mean, we're practically living in one now half the time. So, that can at least lift some of these energies. And there are people doing that. They're speaking truth to power. And, um, and these are worldwide uh, groups and individuals that are doing this. And some are in government. Some of them are. And they are trying to push that more so every day um, amidst all of the energies of, of individuals and other nations with money interests, and we certainly have them here in the U.S. and other places, uh, but we want people to live, at least have a way to live without war, um, that those energies will be more in the forefront. And it really is going to come from the just unbelievably difficult way to navigate all these waters worldwide and with with other countries not just us or anybody but all over the world how it's going to really actually work out but it comes from more of the youth 
in every country saying enough. We've had it. I mean, I hate to say it, and it sounds really like so vintage, like, oh God, please don't get into this. But even when we had all of the counterculture stuff here in the States and around the world in the later 60s or during the 1960s, which was, I mean, that in some ways looks like a, a bit of a cakewalk compared to what's going on now. But it wasn't at the time because we were not as why we don't have the internet. We don't have all of the things digitally that are going to change our lives and transform our lives in the next 20 to 30, 40 years. I mean, they will be completely, there are, it's already happening and it's affecting people's, you know, livelihood, just like when the automobile came in and the telephone and, and electricity came in. I mean, lives were affected. Jobs were over with. People didn't have the same jobs that they had for prior for 30 years. And then they had their families and then they, you know, went home and retired and relaxed to some degree. They certainly weren't making tons of money, but we all as a group, as a human race, have gotten to a place of intensity of, you know, modern, modern technology replacing the human being to a great degree and, and also helping to a great degree, helping humanity in many ways. Um, and clashing right into the old guard, which kind of just wants to stay where they are or regress. And as history has, you know, ta taught us, or maybe we aren't being taught or listening, regressive elements will not win in this battle of the, of the, uh, of where we're going, the battle of what route do we take the fork in the road? they are already losing. They don't realize it because their belief systems are so heavy, they can't possibly comprehend how much the loss is going on by not accepting the reality on the ground, the facts on the ground. And one of the biggest is that we must treat each other as human beings and have compromise and negotiate in a very real way and accept the facts from both sides or from various sides many sides and that includes every single frickin country <laughs> and I'm certainly throwing mine into the mix all of it it's going to be foisted up and put in everybody's face and this is you know the beginning of you know more truth coming out more and more and it doesn't mean we can go back and change the past this is what is I'm, I'm finding to be very difficult in all of these news reports and the, we're, you know, we got to go back and look at this and go back and look. We need to know history. Yes, we do. But really, has that helped us? Maybe. But look at the mess today. Are, are, the, are our leaders listening? I mean, there are a lot of really whacked people running nations and people that shouldn't be because of the constituents in Western democracies. They don't get the right people. And I will reserve my comments on that till a later date. And... Um, because of, you know, egotistical, narcissistic people tend to get into uh, far more advantageous financial and um, background uh, and their resumes, and they tend to be pushed by other people that are uh, less, uh, they're less aggressive, they're less assertive, but they put, put them out front and go, you do it, because narcissists, oh, sure, I'll do it. 
They love it. They love the attention. They may not be able to do anything, but they certainly love the 24-7 attention. That's what they live for. And there's a lot of them running countries that think they're actual leaders, real leaders, that they're doing good for their people or they're running it. They, they And they don't even necessarily care uh, about people under them. And that's in every country. You know, they just want to lead and be the top dog and uh, and and just full on go, you know, uh, full on egotistical with whatever their leadership so-called skills are and make life miserable, uh, either continu- continually for people or on and off for their uh, for their uh, people um, and their co- the people in their country. So, you know, they believe they're leaders. I mean. And you have to have a tremendous amount of self-confidence and certainly a giant dollop of narcissism to think that you can run a country, you know, especially a bigger country or a big, big country or a, you know, a a country where somebody put you in there because you are um, uh, part of a, a lineage or a bloodline. You've got to have a giant ego at least a, a part of that that says I can do it to to feel that you could do it and be there for your people. You're usually just there for yourself, generally speaking. And you also some of them have have they care about the people to a certain degree. I mean, they'll go so far. So that's where we're at here. Um, I personally want to see some of the effects of Pluto going into Aquarius. So now we're going to talk about um these squares that I want to talk about to Moon, Venus, and Mars. I think that I touched upon them a long time ago in a podcast far, far away um, and probably was, you know, just really thinking about them a lot and and my uh, talking and my putting out the energy of what goes on in these things because I know them so well was perhaps a little um, too rapid for people to, you know, take in. Uh, You know, my mind kind of works more in the right brain sector, so it sort of just comes in. And um, I'm not doing a PowerPoint, let's put it that way. And anybody that listens to my podcast knows that there is no way I am doing a PowerPoint. This is, it just moves in and then I speak about it. Um, That was for other work I did. I I'm good at left brain stuff when I have to be. It is not my choice, but um, uh, I will do it I, if I'm forced to do it. And I, and so many times in my life I have been, which is good. It creates a lot more, you know, um, hemi- two hemisphere discipline for me anyway. But let's say, let's start with the moon here. I'm going to move through this. Um, Let's say you have a square in your chart, a square aspect, Saturn squaring your moon. Now, normally Saturn isn't considered an outer, outer planet, but it is really after Jupiter gets pretty intense. Um, and it's it gets very transformational, and I would say like Jung and, and Freud, but mainly Jung, uh, archetypal in terms of the experience. And uh, Saturn square moon is 
they generally say, you know, the individual uh, had a problem with the mother figure. And so when I use these terms, mother figure, guardian, uh, I would say it doesn't have to be your biological mother. It's a guardian, a figure that, that is taking care of you pretty much every day, a guardian and is a nurturing or is supposed to be in a nurturing uh, capacity toward you as a young, impressionable infant to toddler to young child and so on. So if Saturn is square, your moon in the chart, your one of those mother figures or someone who was like that was in your life as you grew up um, is square. It is very hard to uh, really um, to really feel comfortable in showing your emotions because the imprint on the child along with the imprint of the blueprint of your chart, the imprint there with Saturn square moon, was uh, withholding. Saturn is a withholder. The energy is withholding. It's restraint. It's restriction. It's contraction. And the moon is all about giving. Give, give, give. The moon is nurturing, giving, dreamy, loving, uh, loving no matter what. Uh, to, some people, some kids get too much love and they're spoiled and they're really not, uh, you know, they're really not functional human beings if they get overly loved in childhood, overly indulged in childhood. Um, and, and I mean, given into. Love is not just giving in to people, as we, I think we all know that. Um, it's a very different thing. There's puppy love, there's adolescent love, there's mature love, you know, but real love isn't just letting everybody have their way all the time, meaning your kids or meaning yourself with your mate or whoever you're connected to. So with this square, it means that there was withholding going on by the main nurturer on an, a more of an everyday level with the person that has this aspect, that owns this aspect in their blueprint chart, their chart, the blueprint of their solid process. That's generally what I, you know, call it or what, how I usually view it. And um, so they in turn, when they grow up or when they get older, even in their teens, there is a, a hesitation there is a um, suspicion when they get into relationships that trigger them or plug them in in terms of somebody coming on too strong or really loving them or really caring. And they in turn will recoil or be a little more standoffish um, with that person. But they attract people that are far more effusive and emotive, and, and, and when I mean emotive, I don't mean performative, like they're faking it. I mean emotive in the sense that they're showing emotion. Usually it's more emotion when you're in your adolescent stage, and then it's more feeling as you grow to, to, to understand your, your life and your feelings more, and you, and you respect them more, and you get into them, and you kind of understand it's more of a feeling. Emoting isn't necessarily feeling. Feeling is... Some, it's, a, it's an aspect that imbues the person where there's, there's reticence and there's also giving, but there's a feeling of compassion and empathy and love all at the same time. It's like a triad. 
that goes on. It's a triangulation that happens. Emoting is just really putting out, I love you, I care about you, uh, I need you. And they tend to attract people that, on the surface, these Saturn square moon people, uh, are on the surface very um, uh, independent, you know, because they always, you know, feel inside that they're, you know, uh, they're not enough or they're um, not giving enough or they feel uh, devoid of emotion a little bit in terms of keeping people. They, they're just suspicious. More often they're indifferent. They tend to be aloof um, in public, at least. Um, and they're smart uh, in the sense that they are careful with their emotions and where they place them. But they tend to attract people that look independent and, and then suddenly they've got somebody who's really needy. They, they, the person comes off as this independent kind of person because, of course, they're so attractive to people that just tell everybody their feelings and they're, and they're confident and, you know, like Sun Venus people, very confident, you know, um, Venus Moon people, very confident. You know, these are my emotions. Love them. Every moment of them. Or Sun Venus people, here I am. You know, and they're wonderful folks to be around. I mean, they're so charming. But there's there's a lot of darkness under the charm. And the darkness is where they're unable to look at their own pathological problems, meaning their own psychology behind it. Are they, they need approval. Sun Venus people need a lot of approval, even though... You will never know they need it, ever. You'll, they'll just like look like charming people. But when people clap for them or love them or care for them or acknowledge them, they need a lot of acknowledgement. They're loving They're in the way they accept it. But they need a lot of feedback. <laughs> and Saturn square moon is certainly not going to give these people a lot of feedback. It's more reticent in the way they're going to dole out the I love you or I'm happy with you or you know, you are my world kind of crap, you know, in that way. And I don't mean that's crap. I just mean in terms of some of the uh, cliches that we tag to these things. And, um, but those people, they're, they've attracted to, and then the sun Venus type people and the moon Venus type people are attracted to people that withhold more. So you get sort of the opposite uh, energies combining like this, the uh, Saturn square moon people say, well, maybe this person can make me feel better about myself and come out more and speak more and be more open about things. When I'm kind of depressed half the time, or I didn't get enough, didn't get enough loving in their childhood, which they usually don't realize until a lot later. There's a, a veil of sadness sort of in an undercurrent, although they slap on a happy face when they need to. They're real good at that. It's like an emoji, basically. I mean, that's how I look at all of this. People have to go out and do things they don't like to do. Just slap on an emoji, you know, just look up. Well, yeah, I'll do that. Because they can fake it really good. And Saturn is a, a great faker. They can they can come across as the most confident wherever that Saturn is placed. And they're just inside. They're wilting. They're going, God, I hope this works. They're definitely not feeling the moment of enthusiasm. Whereas Sun Venus and Moon Venus is, whoa, man, I am the glass half full and some. You know, I'm the glass overflowing. I'm the chalice overflowing. So 
they attract these types and they go, well, maybe I could get some of that good stuff from them. And then the Sun Venus person or the most people that are ebullient and they, they're effusive and they're emoting and they're go, maybe I can learn how to restrain myself a little bit because I'm really not that confident. I'm just trying to get laughs. I'm just trying to get applause. I'm just trying to get recognition. So I'm out there looking as great as I can be and being charming and wonderful. And I'm doing a great job at that and meeting my marks in that way. So, you know, it's great, but it's a lot of work for me because behind all of this happy face is God Almighty, am I doing this okay? I mean, I don't really know if I'm this good at what I do. There is a lot of questioning, but they're very good at this level of enthusiasm within their self-confidence. And when Saturn squares moon people and they meet them and they collide together or they hang out or whatever it is, yes, they can rub off on each other, but the depth of that aspect, Saturn square, is not learned probably until more midlife. And somebody's able to really work with them on their their level of self-deprecation and they feel deficient and, you know, why didn't, you know, my mother love me or my guardian love or why was there not more coming from them when I needed the confidence to get out, to get out there and do it, that kind of thing. But again, this square can be circled and enjoyed a little bit once we know ourselves a lot more when we stop and generally really this happens and I, I can't say maybe there are those out there that can do it when in their 20s but generally this this awareness begins to be able to be okay for the person that carries this aspect when they're in their 30s or going you know into their late 30s because they've had some success and they've also run into difficulty with people confronting them on why they're not showing more affection in a relationship or showing more performance in their world, in their work life, their social life, things like that. Because they, they're furtive, you know, they're like, you know, why didn't you take that risk? They're not big risk takers, but it's really more emotion is blocking them because Saturn is squaring. It's blocking that moon that goes, oh, I'll do it, you know. I'll just run right into that fire and do that. Whereas Saturn squaring the moon is never, ever going to freaking run into that fire and do it. That is not their way. It's never going to happen. So when they do more, a little more of that because their life or their livelihood or their work depends on it, meaning money and survival and maybe a family, um, they'll do it. But believe me, it, it is under the most uh, incredibly scary conditions psychologically for them. But they get better at it because they actually did it. They took a risk. Their whole world means you've got to take a risk. That's it. With um, Venus and Sun conjunct and Moon Venus, uh, they'll take risks, but they're risks that are in their they're in their um, world. They're they're close to close to being able to handle. They're not going to go way out of their way to take a big risk. Anything emotionally that will progress these people with Saturn square Moon or Moon square Saturn, basically same thing um, that they take a risk at and are so afraid to do so that will progress their psychological life and their performance and their emotion 
with their significant other or others or however they emotionally, sexually, and psychologically live their lives. Any risk. Risk is good for them. They are calculated, thank God, that's Saturn, but they have to take more as they get older. It's very difficult in their 20s to do a lot of that kind of risk-taking for these people. If they do, they often get burned. They do. Um, and they're, then they're really hurt for a long time. It's like, you know, revenge and a lot of these deeply weird Saturnian, you know, dark thoughts, dark winds overtake them. And how am I going to get back at them? Because they're not yet matured to the place where, in a way, you attracted that, you wanted that experience, and you got it. And, you know, didn't work out. So they're, they are uh, disappointed in many ways. Uh, but as they move into their 30s and later 30s, they get to understand and pick and choose people that are compatible with this kind of energy. And they also learn how to, you know, express affection a little more uh, so that the person that they are with really understands that they are loved and they are cared for. They're pretty good with their children. Uh, they do a little more for them because they don't feel their children can hurt them, really. Although, who knows, you know, later on, that's certainly uh, the jury's out on that as kids grow up. But um, they are more giving to their children because they have the power. Saturn wants the power. They have the control. So they're a little more. But with their spouses, they get a little better. And it's good for them to choose spouses or mates or, you know, people they're with for a while or forever if they want, that are aware of this and are not as needy of affection all the time or needy to get um, acknowledgement all the time in their daily life. Um, it's really hard on Moon Square Saturn people to be with people that need a lot of attention all the time. Now, you can put this in the category of you know, no matter what artists of any capacity or any uh, endeavor need attention all the time. And that is not true. Artistic temperaments might, some, but um, it isn't necessarily, uh, you know, just uh, one full swoop of artists and artistic temperament types of people need attention all the time from their uh, closest mates when they get home from the day or when they're working or whatever endeavors they do or if they work in in artistic endeavors there are many people with artistic temperaments as we know that work in very uh regular jobs they work in uh, jobs so that they can earn a living and get paid and keep a family but they do have a dreamy side they do have an artistic side and Hopefully they can respond to that or do something about this in other ways as a diversion from the daily life they have to have in order to make a living or to survive. And that's true, of I think, of so many people. So now we're going to move on to, um, uh, let's say really quickly, uh, Uranus and Pluto squaring that moon. I'm going to do just a couple of quickies on that and then we'll go to Venus and Mars. So when... Uranus squares moon and Pluto, let's say Uranus squaring the moon. Um, this is a person who uh, wants different, they want a lot of differentness in their life. They want experiences in their life. They, they're usually very detached from even their parental figures. 
and their their heritage and their home life. They want to do things that are different, and they don't often feel connected to their ancestral families or even people that much that they uh, come to combine with and live with and marry and all that stuff. They are often very... Um, uh, oh, what's the word I want? They're, they're, they're discontent. Now, if they understand their discontent and their need for newness all the time, they can learn to control it a little better. But they, they, if they don't, you know, they're often called malcontents or misanthropes. Um, we can pull out the dictionary with, with every adverb and adjective, um, or, uh, the, um, thesaurus. I should have one here. Um, to, you know, there's a, a, a whole palette of things with Uranus square moon that can come out. They tend to uh, be very quick and, and harsh sometimes with their uh, assessment of people that don't move on or are not progressive and they just don't think rapidly enough or they're not busy enough or they live more of a, they, there's a judgmental area there. For because Uranus does just opens its mouth and you know I'm just going to tell you what I think I don't give a damn that's it it's out there um, this is the way it is it's radical it's you know just radical boom 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 here's my judgment here's this this is what you need to do with your life so a lot of people that um, want to start a movement or they're into collective movements for large numbers of people because uh, of course. Aquarius is associated with Uranus. Uranus rules Aquarius. So those people, you know, they tend to want to create a movement where people can start thinking differently and do it right now. Uranus uh, is great. Radicalization in terms of moving things forward for the betterment of mankind without hurting people. Radicalization where I'm just going to, you know, throw a bomb in your face or hit you over the head with a hammer. That's uh, destructive, which Uranus is destructive. I mean, there's another side to this ledger here. There is, you know, I'm going to smash this thing that's been going on for so long and it's not doing anybody any good. I'm going to smash it right here, right now. And then, well, what's the follow-up to that? So we need to know where this smashing, smash and grab, this run and grab is going. You can't just do it willy-nilly. A revolt is not a revolution. It's simply a revolt. But people do go through these phases. Now, when a person has this signature in their chart, they will, in many of their uh, home life and their early life and in their 20s, they'll go along for a certain point of time with people they think are really there for them and cool and they're interesting. And, and then they realize they're just not, it's not working. It's becoming staid and boring and they're out of there. They're, they will just... Literally, they'll think about it for maybe two weeks and then they'll sit down at dinner and go, I'm leaving. This is how quickly they can make decisions about certain things. So it is very important for people with this signature um, to understand that you cannot just, you know, keep burning bridges and expect to have a semblance of some normalcy in your life with that. If you enjoy doing that or that's your deal, as long as you're not burning people and doing hurting people, you you will hurt them emotionally. These people do hurt others emotionally uh, in a certain way because they just move on. They're like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. And they just forge ahead. Um, 
but do it so that they they understand that it's you need to do it but it's also going to help them uh move along in their own life now of course when you first make this argument they're going to go please don't tell me how i'm going to feel and they're going to be very pissed off usually and uh you know you're asking me you're thinking i'm going to move it they do i mean actually it is very good and they tend to become friends with the people that they have so-called burned before but they are very clear in why they're doing it and that's the best part of this aspect they make it very clear why and mainly it's because they're just they're not moving ahead in terms of their soul process and what they need to do in the next chapter of their life and they can hang out with people for a very long time and this can happen but their whole they're geared they're geared with Uranus moon square Uranus they're geared to um making sure that they have newness and new energy that keeps bubbling up in their life as they move forward and and learning about new things and understanding their own psychology that's really what they're connected to there is a, most definitely an element of narcissism in this you know these are not so-called bleeding hearts for their partners uh y'all do anything you know they're definitely not that type they won't do anything and um but they will do uh things that they feel are promoting more newness in the relationship if the partner is amenable to that or the group or the company that they're working with maybe they might be the head of it they might be the innovator they might be the one that everybody hates but comes up with new ideas you know most people just don't like to change they like their habits they always say it's like when you get older uh you know way older you like your habits and you can't change well it's because you're older and you're not moving as much you're not doing as much it really isn't because you don't want to change you can always change inside you can always change your point of view you can always have a psychological revision and a revival inside you you can always transcend anything at any age or move ahead inside you may not be able to physically move yourself completely but you can always have these elements of moving ahead um within your life and your spiritual path or what however you choose to call your growth your uh evolution of this particular lifetime so you can always do that you just physically may not be able to move as you get older um things will change and you know there's just not a way to do it unless you're you you have so much money you can just do anything and go live on a boat for a month and come back to a beautiful palace in some city i mean money is a great buffer and um it buffers so much uh for for people that have a lot of it or a a good portion it's a it's a it's a buffering mechanism and it's wonderful to have if you you know really want to explore life and you're doing some good things with it and and uh, you know i mean i it's the it's the currency of 3d matrix i mean personally speaking it's it's almost a horrible uh it, uh death sentence for uh billions of people on the planet because it's hoarded so much and it's so concentrated in certain areas and uh you know somebody who uh has it and certainly the not those that own the world per se um it's great when they can truly of themselves give and want to do it 
But generally speaking, um, the only time you can really blow everything off and not really care most of the time is if if you don't need anybody, you know, anybody. And, and that can even be your closest, most loving partner or something. That's when you really are... A, a real you you it's more of a shell of an of a life when you just don't need anything i've got my money my buffering my this my that whatever it may be for you um and you know you don't need anybody and nobody needs you and that is not a human thing it's just this is not what humans do they're definitely geared towards groups and co combining and loving and sharing um, I certainly, you know, I love to be alone. I mean, I'm, I can be a loner, but it doesn't mean I don't need anybody or don't want them to need me or be with me. It's a very different thing. So with that aspect, these people, you know, they'll certainly tell you in no uncertain terms, you know, why they're leaving. Um, the ones that have um, a great capability of understanding their psychology, the ones that don't can hurt and it's and they should really try to minimize their um, connection to people that are that are far more needy and loving and want to have more stability and normalcy. Some people really, truly just want a regular life. People that have Moon Square Uranus in this way or however you want to look at that and, and other aspects, but this is a pretty prominent one. They don't want a regular life. They don't want the picket fence and all of that stuff. They want something different. And they want different, like a lot. They want to change horses a lot. And I don't mean that by partners. I just mean lifestyles and what they want to do or where they want to be. It may be partners that come into it. But they want to live differently. And they want to move with the energy of newness as they experience it they're experiencers they love it they like to experience different things so that's what that one brings and um and then we'll go to pluto square moon pluto square moon is com a completely different um feeling and a set of circumstances uh moon square pluto uh for the individual than the uranus uranus is detached they're far more detached they're far more into the higher self like you know i'm not into this constantly being around the person i love and there 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 definitely is a, a dispassionate nature about that aspect but when you have um moon square pluto you are now dead center in the middle of the some of the most intense possessive uh types of uh, this aspect that you could get moon squaring pluto it, it's just you know there's a, a true depth of need with Pluto for uh, deep, deep experiences with people, mainly. It's a deeply psychological aspect. And the moon is there going, let's go get it. Let's go to Hades. Let's go down below to the underworld and just grab any intense aspect of love and life and sexuality that we can. And the problem is, is that Pluto's up definitely would love that. The Pluto energies are like, oh, I'm all for it, you know. Sometimes I like to give these things characters because it makes it easier to understand them, it's similar to mythology. Um, you know, they're like, I'm all for it. But the moon, they want all this great, deep, intense, sexual, emotional, psychological, even physical 
um, experiences that could be dangerous. Pluto's, you know, it's danger, danger. It's the underworld. Um, they want uh, they want to be uh, in harmony eventually, and they want security with this. I mean, there is no security with Pluto. They want, you'll be here forever type of security. I will love you forever type of security. You will love me and be with me forever. It's like a, a myth or a play or a movie where you go to the underworld and, you know, uh, and, it, you know, Pluto's caught you there and, you know, you like the excitement, but you don't want to stay there forever. You know, well, okay, I'm getting out. I want a home and a family and a white picket fence and a couple of kids. So Moon wants this nurturing from Pluto. And if unless you really are into very strange and deep need of psychological nurturing in the most bizarre ways or odd ways or ways that most people, you know, just don't want it or don't get it or never really have find the need for it. Um, the moon will feel completely threatened with moon square Pluto as they get into what they might call a double life or, you know, a life they want. They can be married and have this great life on the outside and look great and friends and they're the perfect couple, all that, you know, that cliche stuff the perfect couple and uh we all of course want to be that and it's a ludicrous uh, concept in my opinion or and and so they they may have that on the outside and then one of the partners has this whole different life the pluto type more partner the pluto one that is more geared to very different types of experiences and deeply sort of dangerous experiences most of this is psychological danger and sexual danger. And But when I say danger, I really want to qualify that. I don't mean killing people or hurting people. I mean in terms of expanding their experience in areas where they are excited. So it can be sexual excitement in many other ways that perhaps their partner doesn't know about. Or it can be psychological excitement by games with people at work or uh, if you're at the head of something, you know, pulling a lot of weird psychological, uh, you know, uh, affection and then pull back and games with people where you may want to be with them sexually and, and then you're, they think you, that you love them and you really don't. So there's there's the the element of doing these so-called psychological deviancies, you know, away from this great little life you're leading with your primary partner, you're in the world, the one that's on paper, marriage or whatever it is. So Moon Square Pluto attracts that, and Moon Square Pluto, um, it, they want to hold on to whatever they can in terms of someone feeding them a need for normalcy, but also some really interesting, weird sort of ways in which they like the person. They're, you know, the, the person that's that's giving them this excitement. They, they crave excitement on a certain level, and they crave a little danger, uh, not the hurting kind where somebody, you know, the, the cease of, ceases of life, but doing things that are not... Um, you know, they wouldn't be discussing it at a dinner party, unless it depends on who your guests are. But but it, they like double lives. They enjoy that. It's fun. It's different. 
and they tend to bring that either into the primary marriage or connection or whomever is that person may be and and then they have a separate life or they try to combine it with the person that they love and it goes only to a certain point but there is a definite element of possessiveness and there's also with any pluto thing there's always triangulation so you know i'm in love with this person and suddenly they bring another person into our life emotionally or sexually or whatever and now we've got a triangle going and i don't like this and i want a one-on-one -on -one because pluto is possessive the moon is possessive yet pluto is also possessive they want to control they want to manipulate and so getting through this particular aspect is a toughie because you have to really begin to know yourself psychologically to understand who you're attracting in your life and what way you want to live it. It's really, um, I wouldn't say it's, um, you know, it's going to be uh, difficult uh, in any way uh, as far as if you understand it. I would just say you need to accept your quirks. You need to accept your neediness of people and your obsessiveness and your need for control and fear that people will be leaving because you start to act out when all that stuff happens. And um, so it's primarily that. And really, when you have the moon with all these aspects I just talked about there, and you can even read more about these on your own, um, with the Pluto and Uranus and then Saturn. Um, there's always this feeling of being uh, some, uh, something being withheld from you and you withholding from others. It's always there. Um, and with Pluto, it's more of the possession and controlling and keeping people, you know, by any means necessary, just keeping them. And I mean that in the most psychological sense i'm i'm not like doing you know people chaining people up or keeping them in the basement and i have no interest in going down those roads i will leave that to the psychiatrists that dare to tread in that area with their clients um uh you know i'm not talking about that kind of stuff i'm talking about a deep psychological need to constantly possess the person you're with or who you want or control in some way you have to begin to understand it it's it's a great it's a great artistic um aspect for people that are in performing arts uh they can really get into their character and live out all of these wonderful fantasies within the character they can live it all out and they don't need to bring it home to their personal life i mean it's kind of cool and maybe make money at it so um because it's deeply artistic and uh and also, it's also great to get into uh, uh, paths that lead you to more psychological awareness or understanding people more or um, those areas that, that, you know, people that get into that are like intel people and psychological profilers and all this stuff. I mean, these people have usually prominent Mercury and Pluto uh, in their charts because you know they want to they want to plummet the depths they want to know why and sometimes you cannot know why but people that own the signature in their chart it's a, it's a, it's deep it's strong it, they need to understand what were the possessive elements in their parents relationship or whomever raised them that brought in you know sort of brought out in their childhood um, you know seeing some of these behaviors 
and um and with Pluto, as I've said before, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to use this. I'm not one of these uh, people that study this work that's afraid to use the word sexual or sexual pr uh, proclivities or what people do. I'm, I'm not getting into specifics here, but um, with Pluto, there is always some kind of psychosexual element going on, meaning, uh, you know, there's a, either a deeply... Uh, prominent or presentating a fantasy life, whatever that may be, um, and uh, and and people tend to connect with it. And a lot of people are, depending on how they were raised, if they were raised in a really heavy Orthodox type of religious situation, um, there's guilt surrounding that. There's more guilt with the Saturn Moon square than with Pluto. Uranus, there's there's just moon square. They don't really have a lot of guilt. They're more detached, as I said. Um, other aspects, because the chart is a whole. It's the whole pie. It's the whole thing that interacts. It's like a a, a a living tool that interacts in terms of these aspects. Very rarely have I read charts where there's not there's a there's a, a a particular planet that is an aspect i mean that's like your freebie that's like free parking in monopoly it's like oh nothing's aspecting this wow i'm free i can run free you know it's it's like it's like you get a one one give for you but with these aspects um attached to these personal planets moon venus mars they're strong and saturn square uh venus again withholding again that brings up that particular part in terms of affection it also is again a controlling factor saturn square venus either both or one of the parents withhold held withheld a lot from the child uh in their early life and and i'm you know the signature is in the chart there there's a lot of withholding with that um venus square saturn and um and it's, it's rather sad because these people tend to expect, uh, they don't, they tend to expect no affection from others, not a lot of affection. In some ways, they're far more uh, ready for life in the real world, the, the so-called dog-eat-dog world, because they don't expect affection. But it doesn't lead to a very fun or harmonious or joyous life with a partner or in you know those intimate circumstances those significant relationships with venus so in that way in a chart i would just say that we need to create people that we around us that we trust and that we can be open with and that we need to open up ourselves sometimes these people do need psychiatrists they do need therapy um to get to give them tools by which to open up and and where to do that but they are triggered by uh, the lack of affection, and they're always looking for it, again, in the other person. The moon is looking for permanency and normalcy and, and protection. Venus is looking for affection. That's the big, the big thing there. That's the big I want that. And so when you have Venus square uh, Saturn, you, you have a hard time giving affection, so you're not necessarily getting that response back from others. Um, you know, you don't want to go first. Do I have to go first? Oh, God. You know, you want 
somebody else to go first and then you might crawl out of your your little uh, cave which is Saturn in this scenario and uh, and be able to love somebody or show affection they often confuse physical affection uh, with love with real love that lasts a long time and anybody who has been in a long-term uh, relationship conflicted in, on many levels without just money buffering or or relation or, or kid buffering kids and money buffer relationships are really good for keeping people together and um, you know even when they don't necessarily you know want to be together they may have amicable ways but um, they it's the glue that's a lot of Saturn there Saturn is the glue so when Saturn squares Venus people that have that you know even when the relationship should be kind of over and there's there's can be amicable ways when in which they part ways they'll hold on because that's the glue Saturn is the glue to that relationship and and Venus square Saturn is that I don't care I'm not giving you up that's it we're gonna stay together and and maybe it works out you know maybe there's some kind of compromise that people can get to which I would highly recommend um, but often uh, it's very hard for the Venus square Saturn person to come to some kind of what they would even possibly define as an amicable compromise. Compromise really isn't in that vocabulary with Venus square Saturn people. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it to the cleaners for everything you own, or they get pretty revengeful. They, they can really pull out uh, a lot of uh, angry, angry parts of themselves if someone betrays them Venus doesn't mind betraying others when it's happy and doing its thing but when it is betrayed it certainly is very angry when it is and with Saturn there that can happen so it's wise to begin to learn to give affection and understand that with this aspect and and you will get affection back but it may not be forever it may not be you know that you know it's always going to be where someone is just giving 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 because the need with Saturn with that the need is just the well just it's like a, a well that never ends it's so deep that's why we need to look at it psychologically to understand where we need to fill our own lives and not expect others to fill them up for us so I know that that sounds like a massively uh, you know cliche you know fill your own but it is a real thing there are people and and mainly when you're younger mainly hopefully then uh, that we expect others to fulfill um, a lot or everything in terms of what we want or fill us up and that is uh, it really that that is not reality not even internally spiritually we must find a way within ourselves to give ourselves food that we need psychic food uh, spiritual food uh, to move on as our own person as individuated as the term goes in our own way it's good to work on that even if we're in a relationship to do that for ourselves. and that doesn't mean I'm going to the mall alone wow I'm really taking a risk that is not what that means it means you're beginning to look at ways to teach yourself and learn things and become interested in things that perhaps may have not um, caught 
your eye or caught you know your interest in earlier years and not expect someone else to give you your interest meaning your main partner primary partner or provide all of that interest for you now some relationships are with these Venus square Saturn where the Venus square Saturn person is just really waiting on and providing a life for their partner being the in a way the psychological servant of them always there for them always being there and that's wonderful for a long time it may work very well for two people uh, um, it can I mean it's certainly not impossible but it may not be giving the individual enough in their own life uh, the person that owns this particular aspect signature in their own life it may be why am you know I don't feel like I'm getting enough and they may want that later on so you know once you sort of commit to something start early to begin to expand your own interests in your own creative abilities and uh, whatever they may be you know wh however that works instead of waiting for your partner or someone to provide it to you so that's going on with the Venus part and then we'll do Saturn uh, we'll do uh, Uranus square Venus um, I'm let's see Uranus square Venus is um, again the dispassionate aspect of Uranus and the radicalness of them and the eccentricity of it uh, people always say Uranus conjunct Venus is far more eccentric than Uranus square Venus they always go wow that's you know they're going to be doing weird things and they don't stay with one partner and you know they need to have all kinds of different things and experiences in their life and you know that is true uh, but I find that Venus square Uranus is more of the need to experience and to do different things whether people are connected or not so they're very restless people and um, they do usually have multiple partners over a course of years and perhaps by the time they're worn out by all these people or or the people are probably more worn out by them because they have a lot more energy um, they have a lot of electric uh, dissonance energy a lot of uh, you know a lot of jerky movements a lot of I want to do this now I want to do that I want to get into this there's not a lot of consistency going on there um, but they do like to experience a lot of different things I wouldn't necessarily call them all physical sensationalists but they um, are sensationalists for all kinds of experiences wherever they may be so um, if you're into that and uh, you know you're with one of these people get ready for you know a, a bumpy ride or a ride that is not going to be exactly as you expected they're just really never content and I find so many of these uh, personal planets connected to squares or oppositions which I even I can't get into today it's just too much but uh, I find them to to be uh, you know they aren't malcontents they're just discontent with the status quo all the time even in their own personal lives that whole calm thing harmony comp does not work for them it's, it's this need for constant change and movement and it could be good but it can also be uh, you know not necessarily producing 
some of the better results that more time given to things could produce. Um, it's great, you know, to yank you out of your mud puddle, but we're not always in a mud puddle. You know, we're not always going to be sitting in a mud puddle. But these people keep thinking they're, you know, stuck in the mud or with somebody who can't move or can't do something. They always have these outer people they're with that are too slow or they don't know enough or why don't they progress themselves or, yeah, I really dig them, but God, they just don't understand. They've never read history. They don't understand what we have to do now. They get very um, arrogant about their, uh, let's say, their observations of people that they know or are with. You know, they know better or, you know, this would be a better way. And they're not arrogant like Leo. That's because that's a whole different thing. Leo is, uh, uh, you know, more, uh, they make a statement and, you know, they look at you like God just made it, you know. Well, that's the way it is, you know. And so anybody who is uh, looking at them either has to go, well, they're full of crap or, well, you know, I'll think about that. You know, they, they just, they can't... Um, just accept it because uh, this particular person, you know, has incredible temerity to just make the statement, you know. I mean, if somebody makes a statement, water is in the ocean or the ocean is water, obviously, I'm talking about statements that are, you know, opinions, really, uh, not necessarily fully vetted observations. So it's different with... Um, with Venus square Uranus and with Uranus aspects to personal planets. So, so we'll do Mars square Uranus. And, um, that one is very similar to the Uranus square and a Mars conjunct Uranus is, uh, that's someone who craves change in their life a lot. It's a trans, there's a personal planet connected to a transformative planet. So the conjunction is I'm going to keep moving on. I'm moving forward. This is a life that's going to be full of a lot of tolmit, or it depends on your orientation and your ancestry and what you do with your life and where you're located and what your abilities are and what your opportunities are. But the Mars square Uranus and, and, and Mars conjunct Uranus means that your life is going to be filled with a lot of change and a lot of, um, wow, why did I do that? Um, and, and, and there are bridges that will be burned. And hopefully there is an element of more observational work because of your chart with Mercury and other aspects in your chart that will help you to observe more and to be aware of the de decisions you may be making. Because Mars likes action, and Uranus certainly loves newness. They like action, but they love newness, and they're experiencers. That's their thing. And Mars wants action, so they take action to experience as much as possible. That's the bottom line there. So in the square, they feel like they're constantly being blocked. Again, squares, people with squares, like somebody's block or something's blocking me. You know, not everybody's blocking. People aren't blocking. Life isn't blocking you, per se, from doing what you want to do. Circumstances are, your world, where you live, what country you're in, your family, there are all sorts of impediments to just throwing caution to the wind and just me being me. It's like a child's record or something where you're dancing around and, you know, when you how you feel when you're a toddler, just free because 
everybody's taking care of you and you can just dance around and do what you want, you know, and food's on the table, go to school, you know, you're not paying rent, you're not supporting a family, you know, this free, free, I want to be free. Well, you got to make yourself free and you have to be responsible to that. And that's where Saturn comes in. You know, that's, that's freedom. There is res responsibility and freedom and there's freedom within responsibility. And that's where Uranus and Saturn, they used to be together in, in ancient astrologies, uh, Saturn and Uranus, and now they're separated. And the mythology, if you read all about it, it's fascinating. I always read a lot of mythology. I thought it was great. It's like, wow, this is fascinating stuff. And I was a lot younger, so I really got into it. But with Mars square Uranus, you know, it's like I want to experience a lot of different things. And I'm not content with uh, one partner or being in one place for the rest of my life. Very difficult for these people. Um, and again, where are you situated? What does your life portend as far as the next five or 10 years, depending on where you live, again, your ancestry, you may have religious connections, you may have intensely traditional connections in the, your country or, or what, whatever you're doing. All of these may impede that particular type of need and progress. And you may just throw off the yoke and just go do it. Many people have, but most people don't. I mean, average it out. Most people do not. They stick with their what they know. They stick with what they call often the demon they know. Um, at least they know it. And, you know, I'm not always of that mind. I, you know, I don't need to know something over and over and over again. Um, if I know it and I'm not liking it, it's impeding and I'm not going to be really directly hurting others, I'm, I'm going to find a way out. Uh, but this is, you have to understand if this is your process, you have to find a way to uh, make that path for yourself. You can't just throw off the yoke. It's a process. So when you're young, younger, and this may not even happen when you're in your 40s or 50s, um, you tend to be far more uh, less cautious, which is in many ways very good because people have to get out in the world and get knocked around and experience things. It's very good for somebody to understand what the hell is going on instead of being in your bubble all the time. Um, you will not be ready for some of the later, far more uh, deeper and perhaps more egregious aspects of life if you don't get knocked around a little bit and understand that uh, life isn't just how you want it to be or uh, need it to be. It's, uh, it's not going to work your way all the time. Mars squaring Uranus is, you know, I'm going to make damn sure it tries to work my way most of the time because Mars is determined, you know, make a plan of action and I'm going for it. And square Uranus, they can blow things off. They can dump partners easily. You know, it's, they don't, you know, suffer too much when they do that. But as they move on and get older and uh, become um, and uh, hopefully become more mature, uh, they will begin to temper this aspect with greater uh, awareness and awareness of their own psychology and greater awareness in the sense that they are not hurting people. Uh, many people that get into understanding 
either through their chart or through other types of methods of growth and teaching. Um, how they can go through life, you know, getting what they want, moving ahead, doing certain things without tremendously hurting others, because we certainly can do that. Uh, and there are people that when you are an impatient or a more of a movement type of person psychologically and emotionally and more artistically inclined or more, I would say, um, you, you just, the status quo is not going to be your way of life. Let's put it that way. In, in, in any endeavor you do, <clears throat> it's not, it's not going to work for you and you don't want it. Um, the road less traveled, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's a lot of names for this. You learn to be, to do this in a way as you mature where you're not just blowing up bridges. You're learning how to present this to others that may be deeply connected to you and they either come with you and stay your friend or your partner or whatever relationship you have, even your children, or they just can't take it and they want to take some time and can't be with you for that time. But you learn how to do it in a way where you are not, you know, completely, uh, you know, ruining relationships, quite frankly, that could be quite valuable as you get older. And that is really the lesson here. There is a way to do things. We often do not learn that way or understand ourselves deep, deeper and deeper until we really get into, I would really say our mid thirties and later. And I would venture to say even later than that because you know, we're doing life, we're busy in the world. And the more we learn, at least take in some of the great stuff and some of the stuff that's difficult in our early life, which I very pr promote that completely, um, we will be far wiser in, to a greater degree as we enter our 40s and 50s and even later, 60s and 70s. And, um, and we can always uh, learn more about ourselves intrinsically, which is the really truly the only kind of astrology that I am interested in and have done for many years. And anybody that really knows me knows that. That really is the central theme of what I have endeavored in my life when I became more aware and did not just understand myself uh, because of uh, this particular work, but other types of uh, psychological work and other things that I did and teachings that I followed, which I've covered in previous podcasts, that assisted me. But the key to what happened for me, which I discussed in previous podcasts, is I wanted early on, even in my later teens, to understand myself and where I was going. I want I wanted that as a as as an ego, as a person, as a soul. And that is the key. If you don't want it, if you really are not invested in trying to understand these processes, or you're, you're just, it's just doesn't interest you or you're not invested and you won't make the investment because it is an investment. There is work required. Then, you know, your steps will be slower and perhaps it's not something that is meant for you in this 
particular life, you know, experience, however you want to call it. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit of the superficiality and then maybe some depth here and there. Um, personally, for me, that would never work for me. And it didn't very early on in my teens. Uh, I wouldn't say 14, but probably after I got over my surf phase, um, other phase, but I met later on in my teens and I met some really incredible people in my life and um, they truly were changed my life and uh, the teachings and things that they introduced me to. So, um, and then I knew for sure, and this was not proselytizing on their part. There was no, I didn't go to any regimented school or anything I had to show up at. It was really something that I chose completely. Um, so you either choose it by those that you meet or something or in and of yourself. There's plenty of teaching out there by which to learn these things. Or you are going to do it partially and it's going to be maybe part of your life. And if it's part of your life with these particular strong aspects in your chart, these signatures, whether you know your chart or you have no clue what's in it and you don't care, or you've, you know, you've heard of it and I don't need that done. It doesn't matter. These will still be there. These are the signatures that are there. And you'll come up against, you know, the angels and the demons and the other types of entities. And I mean that uh, metaphorically speaking, I don't mean actual demons or anything. Uh, you'll come up against those within yourself that you will have to try to square, you know, try to circle within the square, try to make yourself whole. And that's the whole point. We, we endeavor consistently to try to create a combination of the two hemispheres of the brain, the right and left brain. I'm using that as a physical visual for you, as a visual aid, like make them more compatible and connect them with the soul. It's like those are the two bottom parts of the triangle. And then the third eye, as you go up to the apex of the triangle, is more where you, where you make yourself much more whole in that process. It's a triangulation. Otherwise, you're stuck in polarization, 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 polarization. Nobody gets anywhere with that. And I think if you watch the news, you'll know, uh, looking around to all the nations involved in their big thing is polarization. That's all they're doing all day long, 24-7. And that's why many, many people on Earth are in a world of hurt because there is no sense of coming together and triangulating this and making the compromises that are needed. Polarization, which are op called basically oppositions in the chart, I mean, if you want to look at it that way, are where we've got to come together to make something work. And it's as well in a chart. Sun, moon, oppositions, those are full moon people. And uh, they go through uh, tremendous difficulty balancing what the moon wants within a particular sign as opposed to what their sun, their ego, their egoic solic process wants. So they're constantly going through that, you know, it's like two people in a, in a fighter ring going at it. Gee, I guess one will win. That's not the point. Obviously, on the regular physical plane, someone will win and someone will lose. The point is, we don't want to constantly live in a binary state of mind, in a polarization state of mind. 
It does not provide for harmony, and nor does it provide for any resolution, conflict resolution, in ourselves and in the world on any level. It will never. And there are people that are very invested in constantly being in a warlike stance, or at least at war within themselves, or in the outer world, bringing it to the here. I'm, you know, I'm unhappy, so I'm going to make all of you unhappy. It's like the the, the misery loves company line. Um, you know, it's it, it it we see it in uh, people that are getting killed in with you know, assault weapons. You know, these people go in and knock off tremendous amount of souls, and then they kill themselves. There it is. Misery loves company. They don't want to. They they're not miserable enough in themselves that they go, well, I think I'll just off myself. They have to take everybody with them to make it like some sort of big moment for themselves psychologically. And yes, they may be on drugs and yes, God knows what's happened to them. I'm not uh, putting them on a cross here that, you know, where there are always, you know, there are reasons why it happens. There's always a lot of reasons. There's lack of reasoning. In fact, there's none. Nobody with any sense of reasoning that they're employing would ever do that. You are going into a place of either drug-infused unconsciousness in some sort of way or end zombie-like process when you're doing things like that. And I'm not saying it's their fault or, or it's the fault of their environment. It's probably a combination of many things. So in our charts, we have these particular aspects that draw upon our need to look at ourselves and to see where do we need to compromise and make ourselves more whole and to move ahead instead of staying in places which are usually indicative in the oppositions, the squares, and sometimes conjunctions because they're very hard. Conjunctions are called hard aspects. <laughs> I find that so funny because they're just really like, yeah, it can be very hard. I mean, but they're very intense aspects is what they are. Um, they make things more intense. It's like, you know, it's like chocolate, chocolate, chocolate cake, you know, or something like that. But when we have these, and these are some of our signatures in our charts, you know, it is incumbent upon us if we know this stuff and we are somewhat invested or, or interested to understand it and try to understand it in a way where we can work with it. And we can go go into a deeper dive about it. and 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 actually watch our behavior, see how it functions. I've seen much of my behavior over the many years in some of the aspects I own. And um, people that have a lot of squares in their chart, a lot of them are I would call them I would call them pretty unconscious that they do. Some of them have been my clients. They're the one they learn the most because you know they're constantly being confronted with things by which to learn squares are you know it's always the outside that's confronting me first because we have to put that person out there something outside is impeding me uh somewhat with the opposition when that happens you know something outside is impeding my personal progress you know i need to blow it up or end it or doing something they learn by uh you know you're not going to get your way you have to work within this to make it work so people with a lot of squares, they tend to be, you know, 
they they need they come and they go my god this is what happened this is what happened some of them have a, a lot of uh, issues and problems that are just unbelievably uh you don't even know how they make it through a day sometimes and um usually people have a modicum of a few squares in their chart and that kind of thing but some people people that do great things in life often have tremendously difficult charts tremendously t-squares and very difficult things that they have to do and they take the risk and they do them and at some point I'll go into you know uh, Martin Luther King and maybe JFK's chart um, his chart was uh, both of those charts very very interesting and I'm just going to go briefly as I close up the uh, the oppositions are very similar to these to the squares that I just discussed. And I would recommend if you're interested in looking them up and reading about them. Um, I just want to go briefly into, as I said I would, I'm going to have to do this at a later date, like go over um, uh, Elon Musk's chart. I think I wrote, and I, it'll probably be in my next podcast. I just wanted to do some of these first um and i won't i'm not going to go into it ad nauseum it doesn't really make any sense but it's good to look at some of these things um in elon Musk's chart i um he's got sun in cancer and he's got um ascendant in cancer his moon is on his ascendant um a cancer moon his sun in cancer and then he has cancer on his ascendant and um He's got moon in Virgo. So as I put, I think, on my note on my Instagram page, it's very OCD uh, for that moon in Virgo there for him. You know, obsessive control disorder. I think he's got a little bit of that going on. And um, his Mars is in Aquarius. So that's the move fast and break things. And so he's got a quite a contradictory chart. I find uh, the one just item for him to have cancer and then cancer rising and all these children he has as if he, I mean, he's a sort of a commune sort of mentality here. Um, these women must want to have children by him. I, I can only imagine they think they're going to have the best gene pool in the world if they do that. But um, I think probably that is going to create maybe some problems for him later on as these kids grow up and, you know, and the women that he's had children with, you know, want more attention or money or something but he's going to have a whole lot of stuff to work out there because of his great wealth and his great notoriety and fame and mars and aquarius that's great um that again again it's ruled by uranus aquarius so he wants to you know do new things all the time but you know you can't always have that unless you really start to understand you have to have a modicum of some sustainability and and you have to have a plan. Mars and Aquarius doesn't always have a plan. They've got they've got the idea and they want to do it and that's great, but we need some method to the madness here. Boys and girls, or we're not going to get anything done. So I find um and that moon in Virgo in his chart is you know, that's part of the um I would say with him uh his need for some sort of uh, uh perfectionism in some way. Uh, and with cancer and can and and 
Cancer on the Ascendant. I mean, he is all over the map. That's uh, he. He. I don't know how much he understands himself psychologically, but I mean, my God, his Cancer rising and Sun in Cancer. I mean, his moods. He's like a mood ring. He's like a lava lamp. I mean, that will go on forever with that natal signature. Um, Virgo is when he's talking in the Virgo voice, which he has on many of these talks. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing and I see these things and, you know, okay, okay, good. That sounds great. It sounds really reasonable and interesting and different. And then Mars and Aquarius comes in and goes, but then I'm going to do this. And so he's got to really work on a lot of this and, and begin to face the world of consistency in certain areas. So that's all I have to say about him until, you know, I get his progress chart or want to make a note about that. Um, but he is definitely a contradictory character. He's got many contradictions going on in his particular signatures. Uh, and then Israel's chart is May 14th, 1948, 4 p.m. Tel Aviv. I may go into that more in my next podcast. But all I can say is they, of course, own that, that intense Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Leo, um, 1948. And the people born in 47, 48, they have that intense it's a just a it's a just an intense uh i i can't tell you i've known many people with it uh they are they're incredibly wonderful but they also are you know uh the the stubbornness of saturn pluto conjunct in leo is cannot be underestimated um saturn in leo pluto in leo in in the regal sign of leo is just like you will never move me. This is where I stand. There's an, an element of sort of superiority complex, but it hides an inferiority complex with that aspect. People uh, born in that corridor, 1947, 48, maybe a little longer than that, uh, if it uh, opposes certain things in their chart or squares, it's just so utterly intense for them. And, um, they have a true sense of there's a sense of honor there, but it's it's almost honor that is too uh, too much honor, too much pomposity with that aspect. And I believe that um, let's see here. Uh, so um, uh, President Netanyahu has, I believe, Prime Minister. Excuse me. He has Mars at 26 Leo and Pluto at 17, so that's super close, both in Leo. And of course, they're in a close uh, relationship to Israel's Saturn and Pluto in Leo. Um, Mars and Pluto and Leo are, are, I mean, that is an aspect whomever has that it is it's an extremely powerful aspect and one really must understand it to understand their life and how they will use it correctly it's very strong They're, they can get a lot of blowback and backlash from having that and striking out and mars and pluto in leo is it, I, it's extremely strong so other aspects need to outweigh some of the intensity of that and um uh, it is very hard to come uh, away with yourself intact after you exercise the intense uh, 
egotistical energies that that particular combination can bring out. That's very strong ego, uh, to say the least. And his is in Leo. And of course, it's very connected to the birth of the Israel, uh, the birth of Israel in 1948 with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction there. So he is extremely invested, as we all know, but it does not make the situation easy uh, for uh, the Israeli people, for Israel per se, to have this Mars and Pluto sort of, it is a warlike combination uh, with Mars and Pluto. And in Leo, it's, you know, it's Regulus, it's the, it's the lion, it's, you know, I will tear all of this down so that I can come to the conclusion of honor and correctness. They view it as, they truly believe, they believe that anything that they're doing, especially in Leo, is the right thing and it's honorable. That's it, full stop. Now, there are many arguments to that and certainly I'm not gonna get into them today because this is not what I do here. I like to just look at these things as far as personalities and people of note in our world. Um, I like to do that. But he definitely, uh, this man, uh, I don't know what he will face after ha after what happens during this difficult and horrible phase with Gaza and the attacks that have gone on. But um, he has brought this on himself in so many ways, along with the people around him. It, this could have, like any Mars-Pluto conjunction in any chart, it can always be handled better. Maybe um, it was just what his energy, the nature of who he is, has brought him to this, the inability to look within and to look at oneself or to look at where one is going. So we shall see, but there is a, a very, very strong connection karmically, obviously, to Israel and this particular prime minister. And I, I do not know uh, with Leo in these very explosive combinations if this will, uh, this will end well for him or, or end well for a period of time. There may be some way out of this or reconciliation in some way. But um, at some point, I'll look at the progress chart of Israel and we'll just see. But I wanted to make two comments on that. I'll probably do more of a deep dive later on when things are not so tense. So um, in this regard, I am done, uh, finally, <laughs> with this. And uh, I'm not sure what I'll do next. If I do 50 of these and end this whole process, I'll be amazed. But um, after this, uh, I'll see what I want to get into, probably Chiron again or something else. But uh, I do want to look at the houses, address that again, and then probably do uh, a whole um, or at least half of an episode on um, America's chart and uh, Pluto going into Aquarius and do that. So we'll see. Uh, and that's it. And uh, truly take care and, again, self-nurture, very, very important during these times. And um, self-awareness is important. And also, uh, you know, there have been many hor horrible and great times through history, but 
remember that um, you know you are here to to love and to understand if if that's what you choose to do and to be with others and even though we're here all stuck in the matrix uh, we have to have a point of joy and that's it bye